So if you know me, you know that I'm always working on theories. I'm like this little scientist in a lab, but for psychology. And I'm always working on men and women theories and relationship theories and mind theories, all of these theories. And right now, I'm really excited to be pinpointing on how to discover where your control issues are. And I think the easiest way to find your control issues is by knowing your Enneagram number and then looking at the basic fear or desire that's listed under your Enneagram number. Every Enneagram number has a basic fear and a basic desire. And then take an honest, brutally honest look at your life, your actions, to find your control issues when you take in your basic fear and desire in regards to your Enneagram. I'm going to give you some examples because I'm thinking this theory is kind of bang on. This whole episode is not going to be about the Enneagram, just FYI, but I'm going to lay this out for the people that are really into the Enneagram and want to discover where their control issues are. So for example, Enneagram 1 is the reformer. That's what it's called. And their basic fear is being bad or defective. And their desire is to be good and moral and a lot of times perfect. With what I've studied about the Enneagram One and what I've witnessed, read about, their unique way of controlling is usually directed towards themselves. They are very hard on themselves. They're always trying to be better and morally good and perfect and have all their ducks in a row. And they're trying so hard to be so good and perfect that their control is towards themselves. They are perfectionists in every way, but towards themselves. But I truly believe that this perfectionism and this, these judgments towards themselves eventually flows over into their relationship. You know, especially if, okay, in the Enneagram, there are unhealthy levels, average levels, and healthy levels. And the whole point of the Enneagram is to discover if you're in an unhealthy level, you're operating, you know, through toxic patterns and you react instead of respond. Every type has unhealthy patterns. And if we can recognize them, the goal is to grow and become better and rewrite our patterns to healthy reactions and responding. So that's the whole goal. So you know, basically, I don't like labels, but the Enneagram says unhealthy, average, healthy. So I'm, I'm going to say average, unhealthy Enneagram ones, the judgment they have towards themselves, they eventually output that to their partner and they start critiquing their partner. They want their partner to be perfect and even better and even better because that's how hard they are on themselves. So they may start treating their partner the way they treat themselves. They hold themselves to such high standards, which is why a lot of ones have a lot of stress and anxiety all the time because they're trying to be perfect and they can't be. They're never living up to the image of themselves in their head. And then they might start projecting that out into their spouse or their partner. They might be projecting those perfectionism ideals. They might hold these high standards for their partner that their partner will never, never live up to. So it's important to know that, yeah, a lot of people deal with perfectionism of themselves, of their lives, of their careers. 
But for Enneagram ones, it is their highest priority to be so good, so morally good, so perfect. So that's my theory on the Enneagram one. That's how I think maybe their control issues come out to play in their lives. It's towards themselves, controlling themselves, trying to be so perfect. And then eventually just it bleeds out into their partner if they're not aware. So I've also been thinking about Enneagram 7 because on the outside, we judge them like, oh, they're not controlling it all. They're just so happy all the time. They're so free and positive. But their fear is being trapped in pain or bad feelings. So I think Enneagram 7, which is the enthusiast, that's what they're called, their control may be controlling their life, every circumstance to avoid pain they avoid situations they avoid people they want to avoid every situation that will bring them bad negative feelings and pain and they only cling to situations and people who uplift them and make them feel happy and free but the control that might manifest all this is is guessing so you guys if you're seven reflect this for yourself and maybe let me know i'd love to know if this is right on so I think a seven, how controlling might manifest is extreme avoidance of talking about certain topics like money, taxes, family issues, because they don't want their vibe to be taken down. These are people who their fear is to feel pain and bad feelings. So they are going to avoid situations and people in, in such intensity. We all have aspects of this. But I'm telling you, this is their priority. And this also is so in line with a nine peacemaker. Their, their basic desire is to have inner stability and peace. And their fear is basically not having inner stability and peace. So I think peacemakers also might exude control issues in the similar way of sevens where they are going to avoid situations and topics at all costs so that they can remain happy and have this inner peace. That's what I see. And we all want inner peace. But I'm telling you as a nine, a peacemaker, I am not a nine. I'm saying four nines, their inner peace is the number one priority. It's what they think about every day, every minute of the day is having inner peace. So if their partner is stressed or crabby, they want to run away from that. They don't want to be around that because it influences and changes their inner peace. So now to my Enneagram, which is the challenger. It's eight, it's the challenger. And my basic fear is being controlled. So actually the Enneagram eight, our control issues are blatant. Like our fear is being controlled. So we are the controllers. We are the ones on the power trip. We're the ones telling people what to do. The ones in the room that are making the loudest ruckus because we need to be at the head of the table. So our control issues are just so much more easy to see. And it's just kind of not much of a puzzle. Whereas the other Enneagrams, it can be sneaky, but with Enneagram eights, it's just not. What's super, super fun for me, I mean, this is my source of fun, is looking back into my past and seeing how my Enneagram number challenger which is the need for control and the absolute fear of being controlled shows up in my childhood, how I was as a child, 
And then in the teen years, and it's super fascinating. So in elementary school, I bullied a girl. I think I learned it from other students. I did not learn it from home. My mom was always harping on being nice to other kids and all of that. I did not learn how to bully from home. You know, maybe movies, because movies always have an antagonist. I hate it in kids' movies. There says there is an antagonist that is a bully, and it's teaching kids how to bully. I don't like it at all. So I didn't learn how to bully at home. I think I learned from other kids at school, but I bullied this girl and. Yeah, I have a lot of guilt from it as an adult. But looking back and trying to figure out why, why did I bully? It took a little bit to figure out, but I discovered that as being being a middle child of six, I probably didn't feel any power and control in my life. I mean, I was probably lost in the shuffle. But bullying someone gave me a sense of power and control, probably for the first time ever. It made me feel powerful. I can control another human. And for a child to discover that, they don't know what they're doing, but they just know power feels good. Control feels great. I actually see that in toddlers when, you know, when a baby's like one, they still can kind of go with the flow, but then when they reach two, they realize they have control and they realize they can say no and people listen to them. It's really so fascinating to watch a toddler learn and witness that they hold control and power. This is probably why, you know, having a toddler is so difficult because they've learned the power they hold. Anyways, so I discovered my bullying as a kid really is tied into my need for control with my Enneagram 8. But then as a teenager, I find this so interesting that As a teenager, I didn't have rules. Like my mom, I know my mom was deep in grief and she was just trying to survive every day. Like that was her reality. But recently I was talking to her about this and she says that when she was a teenager, she saw her friends that rebelled the most and lied to their parents all the time were the ones that had the strictest rules. So she she intentionally did raise us without that much rules. And you know what I felt as a teenager? Freedom. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't rebel. I didn't do any bad stuff as a teenager because I had no rules. I, but then I think about if I had the strictest parent in the world, I think I would have been the person to rebel because I couldn't have handled that level of being confined. My personality couldn't handle that. But I don't even know that feeling because as a teenager, I wasn't confined. So then I had no reason to rebel. So then I did nothing bad. It's so amazing. I also think about, I think when I was mm, 16, 17, I recently got my license and we would go to this holistic orthodontist seven hours away from our house because my mom always valued holistic, more natural approaches to health in all ways, even the teeth. So I saw this holistic orthodontist for many years And we would go down once a month, drive seven hours. But by the time I got my license, I was 16, 17. I would go there alone. I would stay in a hotel alone. And my mom let me do this because it's something I knew I could do and something I wanted. So my mom just let me be free. So I feel like I've been my own adult for so long. And I 
exercise this freedom so early. And you know what that gave me? Confidence. If I could drive seven, seven hours away from home and stay in a hotel alone at age 17, I could do anything. This is how confidence is instilled. And I'm truly talking about life confidence. The confidence to take charge in my own life and the confidence I have in my abilities to go out into the world. Because in other episodes, like the crush episode, we talked about how I thought I had confidence with men and dating and boys, and it wasn't real confidence. But the confidence I'm talking about is confidence in real world abilities, the confidence in who I am and what I can do and what I can accomplish. It's I can, because I traveled alone, I was 16, 17, I've traveled the world alone for my work. It's not a big deal because I gained this confidence so early on in life. And this is such a gift that my mom has given me. So now I'm going to fast forward to when I was 18, 19, when I met Malcolm. I got married at 22. So young. Yes. This is how we got married. So young. This is how we created these unconscious toxic communication patterns and cycles that we're now reprogramming we've yeah we spent a decade doing things unconsciously asleep not knowing what we're doing because we've never been married before and now we're awakened now we see everything we do and we want it different now we're rewriting and it's hard it's hard it's so hard So, of course, I meet my opposite. (laughs) That's what happens. So I'm a person that loves control, needs to be the controller. And then I marry the person that in his response to stress, he retreats and hides. And then my response to stress is I step higher on my podium of control. And I try to control everything and everyone even more. We all have responses to stress and they're also different, but typically in a relationship, it's the perfect tango. In stress, I tried to gain control. I grab the reins even tighter and then he lets go and gets way more passive. This clearly shows that if you marry someone before you start any healing work, they precisely evoke all of your issues within you. So, his stress response evoked my control issues. And I didn't see that for a decade. I was clueless. And it was truly when like, our marriage broke that we both awakened to it. It's what we needed to awake out of these toxic cycles. And now we're very aware of all of it. But to retrain and get out of the habit is what, what we're in. And we work at it every single day. And it's more just a personal inner work thing. Like I'm observing my need for control in a situation and I just watch it. I observe it in my mind. And 99% of the time, I, mm, okay, mm, 90% maybe, I love percentages, but I, I don't exercise the control that I want to in many given situations now. But in the past, I mean, I couldn't help it. I just unconsciously took the reins, loved that feeling, needed that power, that control, because that's how I feel safe in the world, is having control. My relationship is the perfect example of most relationships. I would dare to say that it's very common that in most relationships, there's one person 
that loves the feeling of control and controlling someone else more than the other person. The other person is more so a people pleaser that lacks boundaries and is a yes person. Like they never want to disappoint the other person. So they just say, they say yes all the time. And so the control, the controlling partner always gets their way because the other person is a yes person. But then this becomes a very unhealthy power dynamic where one partner is always getting their way. And then the other person never feels heard and easily becomes resentful, but they're not speaking up, but they don't know how. They don't know how to speak up to this power structure that is now a habit in this relationship. They don't know how to use their voice to this power, this authoritarian figure that is their partner, but they're scared because a lot of these people pleasers are afraid of conflict. They kind of go hand in hand. I think control is the backbone of so many relationship issues. Typically, the person that needs the control, needs the reins, is also the one trying to change their partner. Tweak them, change them. They don't accept their partner the way they are. Which is interesting because the partner was enough in the first few months of the relationship. You fell in love with them because you loved everything about them. They fulfilled you and you loved everything and then suddenly they're not enough and you want to change them and tweak them and get them a little more like this and a little less like that. I think one reason control shows up in relationships, you know, once that honeymoon phase is over and then especially when you live together. When you live together, I truly feel like two family systems, you know, the two partners They are each raised in their own family system, their own way of doing things, their own way of having holidays and celebrating holidays and having dinner. You know, do you have dinner with your family sitting down or do you sit in front of the TV? We have all these family systems that we each grew up with. And then these two family systems go into a house together and they start having conflict because the other person isn't adhering to their family system. I have many stories to show this. Just the simple fact that in my husband's house, they always had a clean kitchen. The mom always had the dishes empty and clean. That is what the mom loved to do, pride themselves on doing. And that's what my husband has carried into our home. And so his number one voice of concern and need all the time is having the dishes done and having a spick and span kitchen. That's what he cares about. It's because that's what he saw as a child. And it's not something I can understand. But that's just the way his family system was. But also, I'm going to rewind like 13 years ago when I had my first birthday. It was the first birthday that we were together. And he gave me a birthday card. And there was nothing written in it. I don't even think he signed his name. The card had like a little phrase, like something about I love you or something. And he didn't write in it. He didn't sign it. And I was taken aback. I was like, what? What? Did he forget? Did he not want to write anything? Does he have nothing to say? I took it personal. I took it personal because in my family, you write something. In my world, when you hand a card over, you've written something. You've written your heart out. You say something. But then, in, but in his family system... They didn't. That was not a part of his world. Their way of card giving is to pick out a card 
that the phrase says everything you want to say, and then you just give the card. So the phrase of the card is what the card is about, and you don't necessarily write anything. And so that's his reality. That's his normal. But I took it personally because my family system is not that way. This is just an example out of the millions that happen when you start really living together with someone else. You have two family systems that come into one household. And typically the one that needs control and wants control and needs the upper hand, their family system ways are the ones that are going to be put in place in this house. So intimate relationships are one of the first and biggest ways that we learn for the first time, oh, it's a battlefield for control. And you know what's next? Parenthood, trying to conceive. That's the next step. So I truly believe if we haven't dealt with any of our control issues in relationships, in marriage, then it cycles around and it's like, oh, you didn't learn this in marriage? Okay, okay, we're going to try and learn these control issues with conceiving, with pregnancy, and maybe miscarriage. So now we have another opportunity to face our control issues. With conceiving, I know this one so well. Wow, it's take, it took me years. I haven't gotten pregnant in years. And I'm again, I am so thankful for this journey. And this is a topic I love to talk about. I am going to do an episode fully on this topic because I am so proud of my journey with fertility. And it's a storyline that most people don't hear. Like, like, I'm not sitting here in victimhood anymore. Like, poor me and, you know, it's not fair, God. That was me for a little bit, but, oh my gosh, you guys, there's way more to the story. Like, first of all, the planets have to align for your soul contract, your partner's soul contract, and the baby's soul contract. It's a triangle. All three of you guys have to be in alignment. All of you have to say, yes, we're on board. Like, in the soul contract. I'm not saying just verbally saying yes. I'm saying you don't know any of the conditions your baby is waiting for. You don't know anything. You're just trying to go on your time clock in your control when you want things done and your baby has its own soul contract that's saying, hey, there's 10 million other conditions that are waiting to be in place. So wait, just wait have patience, like all the conditions are brewing. So it's perfectly ripe and so perfect for everyone, not just for you and your need to have something in the moment you want to have it. So with conceiving, I've had to face my control issues. And this is truly the best part of my journey and how I learned everything. This is why, because I didn't get pregnant. I was like, oh, I have to open myself to the greater power beyond me that is all-knowing, that sees my life on top of the mountain while I'm in the valley. So I've imagined many times what it would truly feel like with radical honesty, what it would feel like if I became pregnant while I was immersed in, you know, needing to get pregnant when I wanted to get pregnant and that, that major, major control If I got pregnant in that moment, my anxiety 
an absolute need for control would have transferred to the pregnancy. And you know what you can't have during pregnancy is control. The mom is not sitting there realigning cells so that the baby has this certain personality or this color eyes or is perfectly healthy. No, you have no control. Those cells are doing whatever it's going to do. So how does that really feel with someone that has control issues? It's the worst case scenario. You're literally manifesting a scenario where you have no control. That is being like a prisoner in your own body. So this is something I realized when I was radically honest with myself. I realized, oh my gosh, I want a scenario in my life that will teach me and show me that I have zero control. And how will I actually cope with that? How will I actually deal with that? Not well. Years ago, not well. Now, oh my gosh, now I feel (laughs) it's a whole other story. But I do think this is what miscarriage teaches a lot of women is they lose their baby when they were doing everything right. So why did they lose their baby? The guilt of losing that baby. Miscarriage is a huge lesson for women about their absolute like powerlessness over their own body because their own body basically betrayed them. You know, they were sold on this dream of this future, of this child, and it was taken away. And they had no say in the matter. It was all out of their control. They couldn't even control their, their own body. Imagine how that feels. That is a wake-up call. Miscarriages are huge wake-up calls. Shit happens so a shift can happen. So if we don't loosen the reins of control during conceiving, pregnancy, miscarriage, what is next? Parenthood. Parenthood is here to teach you how very little control you have because your child is going to be who they are truly meant to be. One of my favorite quotes in the book, The Conscious Parent, says, When you parent, it's crucial you realize you aren't raising a mini-me, but a spirit throbbing with its own signature. For this reason, it's important to separate who you are from who each of your children is. Children aren't ours to possess or own in any way. When we know this in the depth of our soul, We tailor our raising of them to their needs rather than molding them to fit our needs. Conscious parenting is truly, really simple. The basis is just getting to know yourself, becoming aware of yourself, your wounds, your triggers, your toxic patterns, so that you don't unconsciously just slather them all over your children. But it's also about the only way to connect authentically with your children is if you know how to, t- how to authentically connect to yourself. She also says that it's no surprise that we fail to tune into our child's essence because how can we listen to them when so many of us barely listen to ourselves? How can we feel their spirit and hear the beat of their heart if we can't do this in our own lives with our own selves? When we as parents have lost our inner compass, is it any wonder so many children grow up directionless, disconnected, and discouraged? 
by losing contact with our inner world, we cripple our ability to parent from our essential being in the way conscious parenting requires. If we aren't in tune with ourselves, if we're not conscious, if we're not aware, parenthood becomes this repeating of cycles and patterns from your parents and their grandparents. You are repeating patterns and cycles probably that you never thought you wanted to do. But doing the inner work, learning who you are and becoming aware and present with who you are, that's the only way to change the cycles and the patterns. Because listen how parenthood happens when there are two people in a relationship and usually there's one that loves the control my way or the highway, loves having the upper hand, loves making all the decisions. And then the other partner is typically the people pleaser type, the one that does not like conflict. But people pleasing is their way of controlling other people's perception of them. People pleasing are control issues. You are trying to please this other person so they perceive you as nice, as good. You're trying to control people's opinions of you. But how this dynamic works in partnerships is normally there's this one person that has more control than the other person and the other person is more of a people pleaser. It doesn't, they don't like conflict and they have lack of boundaries. They're a yes person. They're a yes person. So then the person with control always gets their way. And then how this transfers to parenthood is the parent that loves control becomes authoritarian. Basically, always says no to the children, always needs to micromanage. They need control in every single situation. This is the parent that you know always says no, so you don't go and ask them permission to do anything. Instead, you go to the other parent who always says yes and has a lack of boundaries and just wants to make the kids happy all the time. But what these dynamics are actually rooted in is in fear. So the parent that needs control, they have a fear of not being in control. And then the other parent, the yes parent, has a deep fear of conflict. So according to the Awakened Family book, also by Dr. Shefali, this people-pleasing parent has a hard time saying no to their children. And if they say no, they feel really guilty. They also want to save their children from any pain, any suffering, They're also really afraid of their children's big emotions or even their own big emotions. This parent is a pushover, a pleaser, a doormat to their children. They just don't have healthy boundaries with their children, with their spouse or anyone in their lives. So this fear of conflict that was very present in their partnership, in their marriage, then transfers to their parenthood because they're not aware They're just living their life unconsciously, asleep. So they automatically just recreate these generational patterns of the way they didn't want to parent, but because they've not done any inner work, they haven't faced themselves, they haven't looked at these patterns, so they didn't change them. So they are just unconsciously recreating the same pattern that their parents created. But then the other parent that has the fear of control This shows up in a totally different dynamic with the children. This shows up with constant micromanaging. So then it leads to 
cause anxiety just knowing you don't have control over your child like you think you do and you want it but your child is its own person and you don't have that much control you don't have control over how your child acts you can try but ultimately don't so this one parent constantly micromanages trying to control another human that they ultimately can't control and it's a cause of a lot of stress and pain and anxiety this parent also probably is you know the classic helicopter parent where they don't let their child make mistakes they have a hard time letting their children do things on their own because this parent just thinks oh they need them for everything um this parent takes everything personally and they don't let their kids flounder and makes mistakes and then this parent just sees their child as as an extension and reflection of them and so they think their child is a vital part of their own success and they take such pride in that role so this is how our fears fears of not being in control and then our control issues automatically get transferred to our children if we're not doing the work this inner work is recognizing things like oh i'm parenting from my ego which really values status it really thinks you know getting into a good school means i was a good parent because my child succeeded or the ego of perfection traditional parenting is so caught up in the parent being all knowing all powerful and children just not really being just not being really respected but instead conscious parenting is about acknowledging that you have flaws as a parent and you have mistakes and it's okay to apologize to your child show your child how you make mistakes show your child how you're not perfect because that is the only way children learn perfection is not the goal and then they release the illusion that you have it all together or the purpose of life is to act like we all have it together that's not the purpose of life these ego patterns i'm talking about are from the conscious parent book and then the fears i was just talking about are from the awakened family book but they're both by the same author dr shafali the role of marriage of relationships intimate relationships and the role of parenthood are one and the same they're here to shine a flashlight on all the issues that we have this is how we awaken this is how relationships are our biggest teachers this is how children teach us more about ourselves every single day this is how our partners show us exactly where we need to grow every single day and it all goes back to control can we love them exactly the way they are or are we going to continue throughout our whole life tweaking them changing them basically telling them you know i don't love you the way you are now you need to tweak a little bit these are our control issues why can't we love people for exactly who they are why do we want them like us do we really want 7 billion souls that are exactly like us no we don't the only reason we want people to be more like ourselves is because when they trigger us when they shine the flashlight on the areas we need to grow it's uncomfortable and we don't like those feelings but the reward of those uncomfortable feelings if we do the work is that we love so much greater and deeper 
We learn to love ourselves. We learn to love our spouses. We stop nagging and criticizing because we're just so happy. We can finally embrace who our children really are instead of trying to mold them into some mini version of ourselves or a better version that we felt like we didn't live up to. And we want them to fulfill all the dreams that we didn't. All of that egoic stuff goes to the wayside when we start doing the inner work. Because our happiness gets up-leveled time and time again. And then we stop using our partners and our children for our source of happiness. And then we automatically love them greater and deeper and everybody wins. Everybody wins when we do this inner work. The inner work begins by observing yourself. That's all you have to start doing is start observing yourself. How are you talking to yourself? How are you talking to your your children, your spouse? If you erupt like a volcano towards your spouse or something, revisit that moment. Observe, how did that happen? Bring wonder to all of these situations. Get back into your body. Get back into your feeling body. Uh, Ask yourself questions. How do I feel? What did that make me feel? Why am I so angry right now? Is there a need that I'm not getting right now? How should I fill up my love tank? Like, just ask yourself questions. But this all starts by witnessing your own mind, witnessing yourself interact with your husband, interacting with your children. Start witnessing and observing how you talk, how you speak, how you act. When you react, when you blow up, bring more presence. When you catch yourself in the moment, being really negative or moody or crabby, Bring presence to it. Ask yourself, how did I get here? If you catch yourself controlling your child or your husband, bring wonder to it. Why do I really care if the toys are all over the table right now or not? Is it a battle really worth fighting? Do I really need to exert my control that much? If I really need to feel this power and control right now, Am I missing some other emotional need? Why do I need to feel this power trip? Am I seeking the need to feel good that badly that I'm going to put my husband down or my child down? Does that really make you feel good? Maybe for one second, but then guilt comes in. Shame comes in. I really want you guys to take a microscope to your life, to your actions, to your words, and figure out where your control is. And ask yourself questions. Ask yourself how your parents parented you. Are you recreating the pattern? Are you just parenting what you saw your parents do? You know, where do your control issues stem from your childhood? There's so much to uncover. And we don't have to do it all in one day. But just start being a little more present. Start witnessing yourself in the moment. It takes practice. But through repetition, it gets better. Soon you'll be catching yourself in middle of thoughts and saying, why am I thinking this thought? It all gets better and easier with practice. But just start by bringing more awareness and more present to your everyday life.